This is TechWave, a Gartner IT podcast. Previously, talking technology. Hi, I'm Woody Andrews. I've been with Gartner for 20 years, and it's my pleasure to host this podcast. Um, I have uh, Farhan uh, Chowdhury with me today. I'm here in my office in Western Massachusetts. Farhan, uh, I'm delighted that I can kind of hear that you're in a space with what sounds to me like maybe weaver finches outside. I'm, I'm not sure what kind of birds those are, but tell us where your office is and where you're coming to us from today, Farhan. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Uh, my name is Farhan Chaudhry. I'm joining uh, this podcast uh, from New Delhi, India. It's a beautiful evening here um pleasant weather a lot of birds chirping outside there is a biodiversity park right next to where i live which is why you'll hear a few birds here and there uh they live uh, on my balcony i have a cute little nest for them Fawn, um i believe you're the lead author on our uh cool vendors for uh, artificial intelligence core technologies a research note do i get did, did i get that correct that is correct Okay. So this year, I, I, I read the note, and um, as you know, we're here today to imagine cool vendors who don't exist yet. So the idea is we know that uh, organizations' journey to artificial intelligence increasingly is actually focused on their ability to scale the AI that they already have. Um, We've got a, an adoption rate of somewhere between about 25 and 30% for artificial intelligence in organizations um, whom we survey as part of our CIO survey. Uh, that means that for the leading organizations, it's not a question of whether they have AI. It's a question of whether they have AI at scale, um, whether they're able to deliver the kind of the operational efficiencies that makes it possible for them to really employ, exploit, and take advantage of artificial intelligence. Um, I saw that uh, that this year um, a lot of the cool vendors were focused on things like the ability to transfer skills or uh, data preparation value from project A to project B and then to project uh, C, D, E, F, and on through to N. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, what you saw as being kind of the characteristics of the vendors that you felt like it was worth highlighting. So say a little bit about what a vendor has that made them worth including this year. And then we're going to work from there to imagine what they might have over the next few years. So let's start with that idea of what it was that they, uh, what, what qualities they had to display in uh, 2020 to be included in, in this note. Mm -hmm. So I think right off the bat, uh, one of the primary challenges that I see organizations facing even today uh, when it comes to productionizing AI systems, AI models into production, is uh, and are challenges across security and ethical uh, usage. There are always and always challenges around data complexity. So complexity of data scope, uh, data quality issues, data aggregation issues, um, data acquisition issues. All the problems with data, they still exist. Uh, and on top of that, we have problems uh, like security and ethical concerns. We have um, interpretability concerns. Uh, the explainable AI side of things is something I've seen becoming uh, a huge demand. And I've seen this uh, over, the, over the 
course of the last year. Uh, I think these are the primary areas of innovation that I feel vendors are targeting as we speak, but there's more to it. Say a little bit more about that. Uh, the, the, it, more to it is interesting. And I, I can confirm, right, our surveys show that the things you pointed out are, are, the, are, are two of the most significant concerns. So security and privacy um, throughout the life cycle of artificial intelligence in an organization emerges as the most significant challenge. And then uh, a variety of different flavors of data preparation. But um, so that's plenty, but, but tell us about what more there is. I, I still feel to a certain degree that we are still trying to solve AI problems that have, to a certain degree, been already solved. And let me explain why I say that. We already have some cutting edge techniques in uh, machine learning that deep learning can provide us um, that can help us scale and also address these issues significantly faster. So let me, let me talk uh, uh, a little about a technique which we call as transfer learning. So it, it, mm -hmm. one of the most fascinating aspect of transfer learning is that organizations can benefit from using data in their machine learning projects, in their AI projects, mm -hmm. without even having ever seen the data. So if you don't have access to the data, you can still build machine mm -hmm. learning models out of it. Transfer learning is the reuse of already trained machine learning models as one starting point for another machine learning model in hopes that, a that the second machine learning model can process uh, this information significantly faster, can be more accurate, and do this with a considerably less amount of training data. And I've seen hmm. this, I've seen this uh, across this space in the uh, natural language processing arena. I've seen some applications in the um, image segmentation, image recognition, video analytics space, but doing this at scale using transfer learning at scale. Now imagine a repository, a centralized repository, maybe publicly shared, maybe privately shared, of such pre-built models that can either one, go directly into production, or two, you don't have to work on top of it so much to have more accuracy or be significantly faster in, uh, uh, in predictions or use any or little training, training data, if at all. Hmm. You know, I was on my on the phone yesterday with my my son. Um, he's living on his own now, and uh, he was talking about the different things that he could cook for himself. And one of the things that I learned was that uh, he's using uh, pre-built, um, pre-selected models and um, essentially instructions for his countertop. Uh, cooking appliance. So in other words, um, somebody has developed the uh, ideal model for preparing a certain kind of food. He's able to just get access to that model, activate it, turn it on, and he doesn't have to do his own learning or his own understanding. And, you know, at, at, at a basic transfer level, um, a chunk of meat uh, is something that he can now cook using that model. Um, same kind of chunk of meat that the model was actually built for. In a perfect world, it might even just be a named model that could be applied to multiple different chunks of meat. 
Um, and he and I are both geeks. So, you know, we love that idea of being able to transfer that kind of skill without not necessarily knowing how it works. Am, am I understanding that correctly? Is that a valid analogy? That is a 100% valid analogy. And let me let me add something to that. So uh, this year, I think what we'll try to explore is uh, try to explore some AI opportunities which uh, which help mankind. So AI for good, so to speak. Right. Uh, there are so many there are so many applications um, of technology of AI that we have not really leveraged or we are not really using day to day activities, cooking, raising pets. Um, I am a pet lover. I don't have a pet right now because I don't know how to raise it. A recommender system, a recommender system that understands what kind of pet do I have, uh, what kind of resources, what kind of uh, nutrition, what kind of uh, area space do I have access to, all of this information can go inside an AI model and it can give me customized recommendations to how to raise my pet, how to go about doing my day-to-day activities in the best way possible. Right. Hey, well, and, and so let's, so, so now let's break the analogy because um, I, I love that analogy. Let's say that you, you know, it's great. It, it would help you raise a pet. The thing about um, any digital approach to anything, of course, is that it, it you know, it bring, brings with it the promise of being massively scalable. So if you were able to raise one pet, you could raise thousands of pets, um, tens of thousands of pets. And in fact, I'm, I'll even... Uh, we were talking about the fact that your balcony outside is attractive to uh, birds that come over from uh, the conservation space nearby. Obviously, what you're doing is you're doing a, a great deal of effort in terms of data collection, um, learning what seeds are most successful. You pointed out the fact that you make water available, so you're learning that that's very uh, that's important. In fact, if you were to transition from... Um, from providing a, a, a respite for wild birds into providing a, a, an environment where tame birds were successful and then move towards actually domesticating those birds. But the, um, that, that allows you to, to scale that exercise. So t- tell me a little bit about the perfect vendor for next year, the year after that, the year after that, who doesn't exist yet. So what does that mean vendors have to do in order to emerge into that space that you're describing with that kind of transferability of logic which has been developed and honed from the data that it was you that, that was used to kind of develop it does that make sense what does that perfect vendor look like that you haven't seen yet tell us a little bit about the kinds of qualities you expect to see in vendors coming uh, in the future one of the prime qualities that i would be looking at is uh, one model accuracy I would be looking at things like how does the technology help me address my concerns that I don't only have today, but I will have in the future as well. Um, mm-hmm. Issues around explainability, concerns around privacy, bias, fairness, uh, ethical treatment. How do I ensure that the mm-hmm. model that I have is not only helping me today, but it's helping me being future resilient? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the, how will, uh, imagine that vendor, what do you think that they're going to be, uh, what do you think that they're going to be showing to their prospects that's going to make that prospect say, okay, I believe that now I've got a better chance of believing that in three years, the, the, I'll, I'll still be deriving benefits from these models. Cause it's interesting. What you're saying is that you, 
you can see that vendor helping a, its prospect, helping its customer um, uh, get over a common and reasonable fear, which is that the model will rot out, right? Or that the data will change um, the data uh, will will sufficiently uh, kind of warp in comparison to its original shape, such that the models will be delivering less valuable outcomes. And in fact, a lot of people saw that in 2020 um, because the pandemic caused such fundamental changes in um, customer behavior um, or in activity and supply chains that the models. Um, in some cases, weren't delivering the quality of results that people wanted. So how will that vendor uh, be able to, to characterize its ability to be resilient in the face of, of future such, such warps? Does that make sense as a question? That makes, that makes absolute sense. And one of the ways we thought uh, vendors could help address this query, this issue, is by incorporating what we recently did in a strategic uh, data and analytics top trends. Um, going from big to wide and small data. And let me explain what I mean. And I completely, completely agree with you on what happened last year uh, because of the pandemic. A lot of machine learning models came to a screeching halt because of the massive amount of data drift, concept drift, mathematical drift, drifts all over the place. And nobody could have foreseen that. Uh, nobody could have no could he, nobody could have factored that into a model saying that someday a black swan event is going to occur and my machine learning model is going to go berserk and that is exactly what happened the idea here is to use white data to increase contextual awareness having or using active learning techniques so a thousand well chosen data points might have similar or more information content than 100,000 or 1 billion randomly chosen data points. I've seen this. I've seen this work in very small setups, but having this having this run at scale for organizations and enterprises that helps them be more resilient is something that I still have to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Okay, so I'm. I, I uh, when I read the cool vendor note um, that you led, um, I, I think that what I saw. Um, was that you were reflecting on the different points that you've made, um, this, uh, this capacity to manage models more effectively, um, the ability to uh, employ and take advantage of transfer learning and, and other um, machine learning models that allow for greater uh, reusability of the models that are developed. And as you just pointed out, the use of, of, of methods um, and strategies that allow you to take advantage of smaller amounts of data uh, by combining that small amount of data with, with a, a larger amount of data or allowing it to kind of salt and season, if I can go back to the chunk of meat to salt and season um, an existing uh, set of, of lessons and models that are in place. So this leads us, I think, to... Um, to what struck me particularly here, which is that you're arguing, I believe, and I, and I want you to correct me or, or, or guide me, um, you're arguing, I believe, that at this new generation of technological innovation, um, we should try to find ways to avoid repeating one of the mistakes of the past. And the mistake of the past is, is for organizations to essentially uh, commit to too much debt, to too much technology debt, too much application debt, 
Um, because in the past, what's happened is organizations have felt the need, understandably, to rush into new opportunities. So they invest in a new application or they invest in um in a, 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 a new silo, as it were, that then it costs money in terms of integrating to other systems and it costs the long-term support. So am I understanding you right that what you're saying is um, the, the vendors that you want to see are going to make it possible for organizations not to invest in that kind of debt? Am I hearing that correctly? You're hearing that absolutely right. Okay. Yeah. So... So these vendors now, um, and 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 this comes back to the thing that me to to I, I mentioned that my son was teaching himself uh, how to cook, and that one of the ways he was doing that was with a countertop device, which accelerates the process, right? So we were talking last night. He listed off the five things he knew how to cook. Um, it was five different kinds of meat. I was delighted. I was like, "That's fantastic! I'm so pleased that you're you're eating at home, taking care of yourself." And of course, I was thinking at the same time. I wonder how long that countertop cooking device is going to last for him, right? At what point does it become something disposable where he carries the skills through to another approach? Um, or is it a long-term commitment, right? Is it is it something where, you know, down the road is he saying, I can't afford a new device or I don't want to spend the money on a new device and I'm kind of stuck with this old thing and the way that it, it works. So I, I think that our, our lives kind of offer us these ways to imagine and understand these perspectives in, in, uh, in, in analogies. So now in this case, um, help me think through, what does that vendor look like who is credibly promising that it has options that will allow an organization to get access to benefit without too much commitment to debt that's going to make things harder down the road. We know that that's what the the enterprise architect, um, the CIO, is looking at, right? They're like, how do I get to market faster without committing myself or my organization to pain in two or three years? So what's a vendor going to say? How are they going to be able to present that value proposition? Give give us a a sense of what that picture will look like, Farhan. Mm -hmm. That's an excellent question. And let me let me draw some more parallels over here. Let's talk about let's talk about that pressure cooker, that pot that uh, your son is using. In in yes. artificial intelligence world, we would call that as a black box. It has three yep. or five preset settings. Uh, you could create a meal out of it, but maybe yeah. maybe five, six, seven months down the line, you think you're bored. Sure. Uh, you just don't want right. it anymore. Right, right. I, I, well, at that point, I'm like, okay, this is awesome that I've got a countertop device, but let's face it, because it's on the counter, it can't be a tandoor, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what it is in 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 uh, in Celsius, but I know that a tandoor runs up to what, like 850, 900 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, I'm not putting that on my counter, so I'm looking at my countertop device, and I'm like, you're not a, you're you're you're, you know, I, I kind of feel like I'm over you. I get mm -hmm. it. So, so there are two problems here. The first problem is uh, treating all kind of AI like a black box. Uh, what's made is made, yeah. right? And the second problem is um, trying to cut an axe, uh, trying to cut a cake with an axe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, do you really need a tandoor? Is the question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you get the, can right. you get tandoori rotis, tandoori chapatis from somewhere in the market? Yeah. yeah. 
can you can you get yep. it from an outsourced partner can you can you buy it off the shelf if you can right. you should just go ahead and buy right. it it's a capability it's something that you will consume on the other right. hand you you totally knew where i was going with that <laughs> you totally knew where i was going with that cuz that's exactly where i was going i was like you know just run downstairs cuz realistically somebody is moving enough uh, tandoori uh, grill so that they've, they've got a reason to have invested in that tandoor and they've got the security protocols, the safety protocols in place that make it less likely that they're going to be injured. If I, if I were to put an oven like that in my house, it would be, you know, uh, the, the amount of time that would pass before an injury would be measured in, in, uh, in days, if not hours, not, not certainly not in weeks. Okay. So that makes sense. So part of what you're saying is that that vendor that I'm going to go to is going to have that specific capability. They're going to have in place the protocols that make it safer to use. They will have done the work in order to um, to have learned how best to use that device. But here's the thing, right? So, and maybe and you're always welcome to tell me that my analogy uh, needs to be discarded, but I can't go get tandoori food every night, right? Because I, I can't uh, be sure that it's going to be healthy for me. Um, I can't even be sure that I can afford it. So how do we transition that organization into being able to pursue the novelty that it wants? Um, so they want that novelty, as you pointed out, right? They're bored with the countertop device. They want that novelty, um, but they also want to uh, to be reasonable and thoughtful in terms of their investments um, and in terms of, of, again, you know, making sure that they've got that that debt held to the point that they can manage it. So how does that vendor, what's the vendor's profile such that they're not just a story of novelty, but they're really a story of stability um, and deliberation that makes it possible for that organization to really um, benefit from artificial intelligence for the long term. Does that make sense as a question, Fran? Yes, that does. And it's a, it's a brilliant question. Once again, the entire I would say the entire narrative of this uh, cooking pot is based on the fact that this vendor, this uh, cooking pot company is not going to innovate any further. They are continue right. to innovate. They're going to stay competitive. They have to stay competitive. Otherwise might just not get into this business. They have to continue sure. to innovate so that once a user has used that black box, that cooking pot, yeah. it could be transitioned into multiple shades of gray into a white box in itself. So that cooking pot could be transformed into something of a tandoor, uh, not really a huge tandoor, uh, not something that runs right, at, right. at a thousand degrees, but something that would still work for the organization, for the user. Right. Uh, it's a personal, a personal tandoor, which, by the way, in my house is my grandmother's cast iron skillet. So my grandmother's cast iron skillet, I can get that thing up to pretty much any heat I want to. Um, I used to ask my father how, how my grandmother cleaned it. He said, I believe she throws it in the fireplace a couple of times a year, just lets it burn off. But, uh, but so, okay, so that's interesting. So now I've got, I've got a, a, a scalable model because I've invested in a vendor um, for the long term. And obviously, uh, I'm hopeful that that vendor is not going to end up getting acquired by somebody who's going to say, you know, we're going to turn off uh, all that tandoor functionality and we're going to we're just going to drop you back to uh, to a different approach or even worse, um, the approach where you find out suddenly that your countertop um, oven, your counterpot, countertop cook pot 
where you actually have to pay for it every night, right? That's the that's the greatest worry that an enterprise has, is that they'll pick somebody who's really cool, but then down the low down the road they'll find out that um, not only do they have to pay for the occasional um, extension to the device, but they also actually have to pay every time they use it. So that's the scary thing for an for an enterprise. Let's let's come back then to this um, as as we uh, as we finish up. Let's come back to this question. Um, You've seen a lot of cool vendors come through your hands, as it were. Um, what do you, what's it? What advice do you give to an organization uh, that they should follow in order to um, evaluate a cool vendor and make sure when they initiate that relationship with the vendor? Um, that it's going to be productive for as long as possible. So, uh, cool vendors for a lot of people. For on a lot of our a lot of our clients are going to look at a cool vendor's note, and they're going to be torn. Right? They're going to see it. And they're going to say, "Hmm, if Gartner p- thinks these people uh, are cool, they're certainly worth my swinging by the website and looking at them." Um, you know, to go back to this to to the to the kitchen gadget. You know, I I've got a toaster oven. I've used the toaster. I've used toaster ovens since I was a little kid. Um, I've used the cast iron skillet, and that's been used in my family now for for probably a hundred years. They're limited. They're not very. Um, they're not novel. There's things that they can't do, but I feel safe with them. Maybe I'm not. Uh, I'm not getting as much benefit out of cooking as I could, but it's it's a real challenge for an organization to embark on the journey of picking up a cool vendor and then using it and feeling like they can be fearless in doing so. So how do you tell an organization to prepare for the journey of, of traveling with a cool vendor for as long as they can? What, what are the things they should do? Mm-hmm. So let me, let me draw an analogy here. Um, yeah. I, I like to cook, by the way. Don't, don't be afraid to draw an analogy. <laughs> I, I think we can, we, can, we can do that now. Go All ahead. Right. So I like to cook. Uh, I like having my own kitchen, my own set of uh, utensils, my, my knives and uh, all the pots and pans, everything in place. I don't like anybody stepping inside my kitchen. I'm uh, that yeah, kind of a, yeah. uh, call, call me a control freak, but I, I like my, having my kitchen to myself. <laughs> now, if you, draw, right. if you draw parallels, what we are talking right now in terms of toaster ovens, in terms of tandoors, in terms of that cooking yep. pot, is just one model. Let's stop right. talking models. Let's talk ecosystems. The, the okay. kitchen, Ooh, okay. the kitchen is is an ecosystem in itself. Uh, now, yeah. now recently, I purchased a set of very good knives um, for yeah. for for vegetables, for for meat, and what have you. I purchased a good set of knives, but not everybody needs it. Uh, I'm planning. Yeah. I'm planning to have. Um, a utensil dryer as well. I have a dishwasher. I'm I'm thinking to go to a whole other level with um, utensil dryer. I may need it. I must Seriously. not need it. That's awesome. I didn't even know you could do that. Okay, so now I've heard about a cool vendor that I didn't even know existed. All right, drive on. Go ahead. Yep. Utensil dryer. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to need a whole host of other stuff thinking about my ecosystem. But when I'm yep. when I'm thinking ecosystem, I cannot think okay, I have a toaster, how often am I going to use it? I have an electric kettle, how often am I going to use it? It's still going to stay a part of the kitchen. I'm still going to use it once in a while because it's reliable. It's uh, it's Uh tried and tested. It's uh, it's comfortable. I'm still going to use it four years, five years down the line. I have been using it for the past 10, 15 years. It doesn't change. Mm -hmm. What changes is Mm -hmm. the future demands. 
Right. Uh, I might have, uh, I might just get married in the next few months, and uh, my my needs for, say, accessories, um, for lentils, for pulses, for rice, and for all that you have in a kitchen might just change it entirely. And and that's 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 a merger, right? So in the analogy that's a merger. It's that's uh that's a, that's a big wow, right? So that's the organization that's invested in its ecosystem of kitchen gadgetry as well as foundational kitchen elements. And yeah, and you just set that up, right? So now it's a merger and somebody's going to come in. They might not have their own stove that they're going to bring. <laughs> yeah. But you're absolutely right. They might come and say, you know what? I've brought my own utensil dryer for on and I expect you to use it. Okay, very good. So so you've set that up. But what does an organization do? How, how would you get ready for your kitchen change? And how would you tell the organization to get ready for all of that that uh, potential turmoil in, in, in vendors? So the first thing that you do is think of a cool vendor in terms of integration. How well does it yep. go with your kitchen? Does it even go with your kitchen? Right. Do you even need that equipment? Do you do you even need that technology? Is that right. and when you're answering that question, you might just want to go back to the vendors that you've already been dealing with and ask them about their roadmap. Um, ask them if uh, they would have such capabilities in their platform going forward. And and there's a there's a lot right. of convergence when we talk AI. There's a lot of convergence. Uh, between platforms, between capabilities. Uh, in fact, uh, we were we were just talking about this a few days back. The the whole machine learning operationalization piece, uh, that is the AI operationalization, machine learning operationalization piece, has has become to 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 a lot of degree. It has been baked inside the data science machine learning uh, platforms in themselves. So they are yes. they are continuously innovating. Yes, of course, there are some niche problems that a lot of cool vendors are going to help you solve. But you have to ask that right. question first, do I need to solve that problem right now? And two, uh, do, I see this, uh, do I see this as a technical debt or do I see this as a, as a new weaponry in my arsenal of uh, dealing with issues surrounding AI? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, so that's very helpful. So we, we know now what cool is going to look like um, in the artificial intelligence space. Cool is going to look like um, the ability to, uh, to, uh, to, to I, I, I'm, I'm always trying to be careful around uh, technical words. It's going to be the ability to, uh, to take insights um, and to take models for deriving insights from one application, um, one business challenge to another business challenge. So it's going to be that portability of that kind of insight. And it's going to be being able to achieve that um, in a way that reduces, now that I think about it, that in and of itself makes it possible for me to avoid technical debt, right? Because I don't have to buy as many things. Uh, and as well, it allows me to kind of fit my new AI solutions, the new things that I get that are AI related. I'm going to be able to fit those into my ecosystem such that my ecosystem could even withstand um, the kind of disruption that comes with a happy or a necessary merger, right? So um, when, uh, when another uh, ecosystem collides with and integrates to my ecosystem, um, I will have chosen vendors um, in favor of their stability, in favor of their deliberate power, and uh, in favor of that, uh, that portability of, of their capacity. That's been perfect. Now I, I have a sense of what coolness really looks like 
um, in artificial intelligence. Uh, Farhan, this has been a, a wonderful opportunity to talk to you today. Thank you for spending so much time with us. Thank you, but thank you for having me. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations.